Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live... F1. You're listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward in the shed on Missed Apex Podcast. I'm back. I had handed over the keys to the tech crew, to Trumpets, and to Summers, so make sure you catch Sunday's Tech Time where they talked about, I don't know, tyres or vortices or something like that. Also, be sure to tune into the W Series Race Review Podcast that we did. Round one took place in Hockenheim. You can go to mistapexpodcast.com forward slash W Series to catch me, Brad and Sarah discussing what I think was a fairly decent first race. And also make sure you tune into E-Radio Show because Matt and Chris work very hard delivering you all the best from the world's premiere electric racing series i'm span as the host and producer of missed apex podcast we're an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves we aim to bring you race reviews before your monday morning commute we might be wrong but we're first i'm joined in the shed by f1 media legend joe sayward how's it going joe joyous me i'm surprised you had any time to speak to us when we've got so much missed apex content that you'll have been desperate to catch up with um yeah not really but you know whatever i've got to um i'm between races and uh it's a it's a bank holiday tomorrow in france it being wednesday tomorrow uh it's a victory in europe day you can't have a day off randomly on a wednesday yes you can there was one last week too ah those, those. May, may the 1st is May Day, and there's always a bank holiday, and May the, may the 8th is always a bank holiday because it's Victory in Europe Day. Do you know what? I think that's fake news, Joe. And if I accuse you of fake news, I'm not the only one. I'm in grand company. Silverstone. No, Silverstone says you're fake news, Joe. What do they know? So you told the world, you declared that the deal mm-hmm. for F1 at Silverstone was a done deal. And Silverstone tweeted quite aggressively... That you were fake news, Joe. And did they did they keep it up? Now, I thought they did. But no, obviously, you pointed out on your blog that they then took that down. So what's the story behind that? What's the skinny, Joe? Well, the skinny is that I had a story from very, very good sources who I cannot mention, that I have mentioned to Spanners, which is why he's smiling, because he knows that they are very good sources. Yep. Um, and Silverstone said it's not true. And I... I spoke to the man from Silverstone and I said, um, I didn't say who it was who told me. I said, well, I'm very convinced that it's true. Um, and it's confirmed by two different sources, not just one. And he said, it's not done. And I said, fair enough. But I, as you may have noticed, I did not retract the story because I believe it to be true. I think what's probably happened is that there is an agreement in place, verbal handshake, whatever. Um, and other elements have entered the, the uh, negotiations. Now, I think that's probably to do with the fact 
that Liberty Media is negotiating for a Grand Prix in London, which will be a second Grand Prix. But Silverstone would be obviously be worried about losing ticket sales. Not that they would, but I think there's a certain sort of level of paranoia about everything that Liberty does around Silverstone. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I'm utterly convinced that there's a done deal there. And if there isn't a done deal, they're stupid. Mon- Monza immediately leapt in there. You will find in a few days' time, the Dutch Grand Prix is confirmed. Spain is dead. Germany's dead. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's, right, you've given us absolutely loads to unpack there. Docklands, Spain is dead, Germany's dead, and then I also want to talk about the the whole kind of journalistic process of these sources and breaking stories. Let's just start with uh, Silverstone, stay with them. As far as they're concerned, you know, they're trying to do some kind of backdoor deal, and along comes Joe Saywood and kind of ruins it, so they've obviously been cornered and felt the no, need no, no, to no, react. No, 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 Joe, Joe Saywood is not a backdoor deal, Joe Saywood is a source who has got good sourcing. Now, whether the, whether the good sources told me because they wanted to cause trouble is another matter. But when I use the word sources, it's not just one, it's two, at least two sources. And two sources who are extremely high level and very, very uh, reasonable. I would not have written the story if I didn't believe the sources. And trusted sources are there because they're trusted and being trusted takes a long time. So there are a number of sources saying one thing. Silverstone says something else. Now, I, quite, I kind of trust Silverstone at the same time. And that, that as I wrote in the, in the blog, I think, at the time, when you, you have a real problem when trusted sources say the opposite to one another. But unfortunately, it's three to two in this particular case. And I stand by my story. I don't think there's any reason to change it. There will be a British Grand Prix for three years between 2020 and 2022, unless somebody is really stupid. See, the the internet reaction was (laughs) interesting, though, because you're Joe Sayward and you've been around since 1988. The fact that people would either think that you just stumbled along somehow since 1988, just willy-nilly saying whatever you want, that's an interesting reaction. Of course, there will be some people who just don't like you, Joe, and think you're a grumpy old git and would have been delighting no, you're getting sure. wrong. So it's a, it's a really interesting kind of balancing act as a journalist between keeping everyone sweet, maintaining your reputation. I suppose you couldn't you couldn't do all that fake news for too long before some before your reputation was just in tatters and no one listened to you. No, no, you don't have a reputation. If you produce bad stories, you have no reputation. End of story. Um, and you know the, the reason I'm standing by the story is that I believe it to be true, and I don't. I don't say that lately. I'm not sort of saying this. I made it up. I, I woke up on Sunday morning in, in yes. uh, Baku and said, oh, I'm going to write a story about the British Grand Prix today. I have nothing to back it up with. Well, that's just, you know, the fact is I have a lot to back it up with. I'm sticking to it. It's big news. It's a big story. If they choose to, to um, be rude, which is what fake news is, um, and, but that's why they took it down, I think, because basically I sort of said, you know, I'm standing by it. If you want to, if you want to just insult me, fair enough. But you know, they didn't. So you've you've got a feeling that perhaps it's perhaps kind of smart, who, it's kind of smart yeah. not to insult me because you make an enemy that way. You know what I mean? So perhaps you know the person running the social media could easily have just misjudged the tone. It's quite easy to use fake news and try and sort of think you're joking, but it definitely yeah, didn't think, come across like that. I think it came, it's more to do with Silverson not having a particular structure. I think it was someone in marketing. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to media, because media people should be smarter than that. So... Mind you, I'm open to bribes, so if Silverstone are listening, if you want to do me some kind of paddock pass, next time there's a Sayward Silverstone dispute, I will be on hashtag Team Silverstone. You mentioned Docklands now, obviously. Tart, tart, and <laughs> oh, tart. Integrities for people with careers. I haven't got one yet. Now, uh, you mentioned another another race in, in the Docklands. Is this going to be a mm-hmm. street circuit? Will this be the European Grand Prix? No, it wouldn't be the European Grand Prix. I would think it'd be the London Grand Prix. It's all about destination cities. And London is a destination city. Europe is nothing, really. Europe is... Well, actually, who knows what Europe is these days? Anyway, moving swiftly on from that, um, I think they've been after a London Grand Prix for a long time. They've been after a Miami Grand Prix. 
they're after New York Grand Prix. They want the cities. They want the name of the cities. So I would say, um, you know, they're still they're trying to get one in the Docklands. Um, Formula E's got there racing inside the XL, among other things, which is a daft circuit, if ever I've heard of one. But there are lots of bits of the, that particular area of the Docklands that are interesting to develop. There's the Emirates um, Airway airline, whatever it is, that cable car that flies across the Thames. Ah, yes. Uh, which is quite dramatic, actually. I went on it once. Um, and there's a there's a Siemens building called the Diamond, I think it is, uh, which is quite interesting. But what they're all what they're all doing is 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 talking about sustainability. And and that's something Chase Carey said at the start of this year about Formula One. We have to push the sustainability of Formula One because hybrid technology is more sustainable right now, contrary to popular belief, than electric cars. That may be a, a controversial thing to say, but that is actually true. Well, I guess a hybrid kind of feeds back into itself, whereas an electric car is dependent on you producing power somewhere else and then storing it in the car, I guess. But don't all electric cars no, kind of recover no, no, no. anyway? It's to do with carbon. It's to oh. do with carbon footprints. And carbon footprints, you know, electric cars are not as clean as, as people like to think they are. And Formula One is is doing amazing things for... Uh, the internal combustion engine and the long-term future of, of fossil fuels because it's increasing the long-term future of fossil fuels, not just by five years, 10 years, by a very long way. Now, admittedly, in a perfect world, perhaps electric cars are the way to go, but there's no infrastructure for them. You know, the batteries, you just pile on batteries. The battery technology is not developing fast enough. The da di da di da. We've been through all this before. So I think that hybrid is the way to go. It's very interesting to see Toyota this last week have, I can't remember the number, it's, it's some ludicrous number, 24,000, I think. Toyota have just thrown open a lot of their patents and just said, everybody, use these. This oh. is how you do it. Because they want everybody else to stop messing around <laughs> and, and dreaming about electric cars just go hybrid and that's the way to go and that's so toyota said okay here it is this is what we're going to do you notice that toyota is not in formula e why would that be because that's not hybrid no but toyota don't believe in electric cars what like they think it's like the tooth fairy that it just they do they think they think the hybrid cars will go to will go to nitrogen okay and uh... in, in the long term and they may be right. I, to be honest, Toyota get it right a lot. And Volkswagen had a very good reason to jump into Volks, to, to, to Formula E. Yeah, there's a lot of companies jumped into Formula E because it was the green place to be. Volkswagen, Audi, etc. had a particular good reason, Porsche, to, to, to jump into Formula E because it was a good way of disguising the fact that you mean caught fiddling the diesel numbers, of which I can say that without impunity because they were clearly doing it as a number of them are going to jail as a result of that so you know it's it's it was a the timing was perfect for formula e the diesel scandal the volkswagen diesel scandal came along exactly the right moment from it for formula e and i think a lot of them jumped into that simply for that reason because oh my god we can't talk about diesel let's talk electric and in the meantime, we'll take all our all our customers to to um, VIP hospitality. There are not many spectators at Formula E races, but there's an awful lot of fat blokes um, standing around drinking wine. So he says, quaffing on his rosé, Joe. Uh, yep, happily doing so. So, do you, do you think though that the Docklands Grand Prix? Do you think that a London Grand Prix could do what no other place does and have a street circuit that doesn't suck? Of course. Uh, sorry, Baku is a street circuit that sucks? Yep. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. Unless there's a safety car, it's boring. And we've seen it twice now. It's not boring. And the threat of a safety car makes it Three, tactically 300 uninteresting. 300 kilometers an hour through the middle of a town is not boring. 
He's a bit though, isn't it, Joe? Well, no, it's on. not. It's not. I'm sorry. That's utterly, utterly wrong. Street circuits can be very exciting if they are properly designed. I think the Vietnam circuit is going to be really exciting. So, but if we address Baku, for example, because there's a threat of the safety car because of the walls and everyone's smashing into them, no one wanted to pit. So we had a situation like Monaco a couple of years back when Daniel Ricciardo had that engine problem and you couldn't get past him. So there was absolutely no point pushing. And that's what we had in, in Baku. But there was no point pitting and getting onto fresh tyres because a safety car would have instantly made that a terrible idea. So they all stayed out on less high-performing tyres. Well, whatever. I mean, you can argue it from different ways, but Baku is a good street circuit. Baku is a circuit which is fast, it's entertaining, it allows overtaking. Now, if the tactics are such that things happen that shouldn't happen, that's another matter. But the fact is that it should be, and it has been to date, very, very good racing. I know if you argue, try to argue the same case at Monaco. Absolutely not. Monaco needs a Monaco needs an overtaking place created. It certainly does. Yeah, is but that- at the same time, Monaco is the history of the sport, the glamour, the excitement. And if you haven't been there, if you haven't seen these lunatics driving around Monaco, you haven't lived. And that is a very key point. Speaking of a journalism and reporting and and finding things out. By talking to people, it's a lot easier for you, you know, wandering around the paddock, having champagne and prawn sandwiches with all the the hoi polloi in Formula One. I I have to do it from a shed, Joe. I have to find my investigative skills from a shed. Can I share with you what I think I know about the upcoming Barcelona Grand Prix? And you tell me if you think I'm crazy. I will happily tell you. Don't prejudge. Maybe. (laughs) Am I prejudging? I'm merely saying I'll happily tell you. So a lot of cars are turning up with a lot of upgrades in Barcelona. And I want to ask you why Barcelona is the reason for that. But Red Bull, who have been struggling aerodynamically, even though the common perception is they have the power, are rumoured to be turning up in Barcelona with brand new chassis. So like a a full-on B-spec car that they think has solved their overcooling problems and if that's true honda red bull could genuinely be a real threat in spain maybe 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 they are maybe they're not i mean i've heard the same rumors i've heard the same stories about mercedes turning up with a new chassis the reason it happens in barcelona is it's the first european race and it's an easy opportunity there's a sort of break between flying around and and being in Europe, and it makes a big difference. So they can do things at this point in the season um, and fix problems that have been found early on. Now, we'll see. I don't know. I'd love to be able to say that Honda, Red Bull Honda, is going to start winning races. That would be terrific, absolutely terrific, because everybody says it's boring to have Mercedes winning. The fact that Mercedes are doing a better job than everybody else is not, ever taken into account you know ferrari have a very good car but they keep screwing up and that's you know they keep trying to make sebastian vettel win which is daft um i'm not sure that's why what they intend to do when they do these decisions but it's just daft um and i had a i had a conversation with benotto about it in the middle of the night in an airport somewhere um and I don't think I don't think they're doing it because they're doing it because when you know Sebastian says I can go faster than 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 Charles Sebastian probably believes it the fact he can't makes it a stupid decision but that doesn't mean it's a stupid decision when it was made the next time Sebastian gets on the radio says I can go faster than Charles they may think twice about it you know so these are the things. I mean, Charles didn't help himself in Baku by crashing, to be honest. And and the policy that they adopted, the strategy that was that adopted, was entirely sensible. Um, they did exactly what you would expect them to do, which was Sebastian tried to undercut, or at least the strategy was to undercut the Mercs. He came in, the Mercs came in. Charles took the lead, but the fact was the McLaren, McLaren. What am I talking about? The Ferrari. <laughs> the Ferrari didn't have the legs on the tyres. So he couldn't take advantage of that strategic ploy that was going on. 
Now, you know, in terms of pure pace, I still think the the Ferrari is a very good car, and it just it just happens that Mercedes have won the first four. So you still think that Ferrari have got a chance toe to toe pace wise? Because that is not the impression I've got at the moment. The impression no, no, I no, that's the impression I have. I think that, that yeah, I'm sorry, but pole position in in uh in Baku would probably have gone to Charles Leclerc if he hadn't crashed a damn car. Uh yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, no, but it's an if if if. The fact is what who was the fastest car throughout all the practice sessions? Charles Leclerc. What happened? He crashed. So he was pushing too hard, he made a mistake, whatever. The fact is the car is still quick. So the devil's advocate in me says that uh I can Surely, hear- surely not. I can hear screaming voices through my email already saying it doesn't really matter what you do in practice and Mercedes are notorious for not showing all their pace in practice. So that might be another side to that coin. Maybe, maybe, yeah. But the fact is that how far off pole position was Sebastian Vettel? Not very far. That's a good car. I'm sorry, we've seen, we we know it's a good car. The fact is they're just not using it very well. Now, it doesn't necessarily race as well, but some races it does, some races it doesn't, because that's the way the tyres are. And you've heard everybody say getting these tyres into the sweet spot is very difficult. So when someone does it, look at the Haas team. When they get that car into a sweet spot, it's quick. When When the car isn't in a sweet spot, it's a disaster. And we've seen that time and time again. So the fact is, these are difficult tyres. You have to get them right. Mercedes have got them more right than everybody else. Yeah, I mean, we'll get onto Haas in a, in a little while, but um, we kind of skipped past the decision of backing Sebastian Vettel over Leclerc. Is, it, is there not a case to be made that Leclerc is still an unproven entity? He is in his second season of Formula One, and Lewis Hamilton being the exception to the rule in Formula One bursting onto the scene and being successful as a rookie. Ferrari have got to kind of go in their head and go, well, hang on a minute. We do know Sebastian Vettel. If we put all our eggs in this rookie's basket, he's still young enough to implode. Absolutely not. Because Sebastian blew all his chances last year. He blew his credibility last year by having six unforced errors, one after another. He doesn't have that margin of error. He is... He needs to prove himself. He might have won four world championships with another team, but he's not good enough to beat to beat Charles. And he's got to, you know, he's got to do the thing. He's got he's got to beat Charles. And so, why should he be number one? He should be number one. It doesn't matter how many world titles you've got. I can give you an endless list of world champions who became rubbish after they were world champions. You know, they, they've got to keep delivering. That's what Formula One is. You're only as good as your last result. And Sebastian Vettel is not that good right now. Toto Wolff, though, is losing the trust of the Formula One audience because he keeps coming out and saying, no, I really do think Ferrari are a threat. Ferrari are equal, just like you're saying. But it's not helping that case. The perception of the F1 audience is definitely going the other way because Mercedes keep well, coming out and tonking. That doesn't make the F1 audience correct, does it? Surely if more people think a thing, it's definitely right. No. Oh, right. Perce- okay. Perception in this case is not reality because... Why would people who don't know what they're talking about know better than Toto Wolff? Okay. Honestly, now why would you know? Because David Croft tells you something on the telly. It's it, it's rubbish. You know, the fact is that if Toto Wolff says something, he says it for a reason. And he says it for a good reason because he believes it. He's not making it up or 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 you know, trying to play some sort of PR game. He's saying it because he believes it. And and so all the conspiracy theorists out there who write blogs and have websites and all the rest of it, they can all do as much of that as they like. But the fact is that Toto Wolf says this and sensible people agree with him. Well, can we stay on Mercedes for a bit? Because I've got a question from Big Ray, which, yeah, uh, which sets us down a good path. Big Ray asks, Bottas seems to want his Mercedes contract wrapped up quickly. Any ideas on that from Papa Joe? He's doing himself favours. My personal opinion... At the moment, is he's having a, 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 the rub of the green a little in these first four races. Not quite representative for me of how Bottas and Hamilton will go season long. But is this a case for him? His PR guy and his agent must be going, see, see, let's sign that deal now. Well, the problem is his manager is Toto Wolff. 
All right. <laughs> so he's got to argue with himself. No, he's a hands-off manager, but fundamentally, Botas is managed by a company that Toto Wolff has a shareholding in. Now, he doesn't make the decisions, but um, the other thing is that Toto is extremely aware of the fact that he has Esteban Ocon, and he needs to put Ocon racing because, you know, Lance Stroll took Ocon's seat because he's rich. Uh, He's not a bad racing driver, but he ain't, you know, he's not top-notch. And... Uh, they need to find a way to get Ocon back into a, a proper top. It was, it was just a fluke. It was bad luck that Ocon is out for a season, but it's bad for Ocon to be out. Um, oddly enough, uh, Ocon being out has has um, uh, generated a certain amount of passion in Valtteri. To and I, I was talking to Ocon the other day, and I said, "You know, you're the you're the architect of your own downfall here." Because the fact that you're standing in the back of the garage makes Valtteri work harder, and it does. I mean, that is that is a, that is the truth of the matter. But somewhere along the way, somebody has to make the decision as to who is ultimately going to replace Lewis Hamilton the day Lewis stops. Lewis is not going to stop for a while, two more years, I should say, if he wins six and seven. Then he'll probably he'll probably stay for eight. Actually, to be honest, so you're talking about three years. Um, I think after eight he's going to stop, come what may, if he wins them. Which you know, there's no guarantee he will. But do you want to have Botas as your front man, as your as your lead, your your point man? Or do you want Ocon? The answer is you want Ocon, don't you? Yes. I mean, Bottas, let's let's not take anything away from him. I think it's possibly the ultimate pace that he's lacking. He's not, you know, he's not spinning around everywhere like Sebastian Vettel. He's actually quite uh, rigid when it comes to wheel-to-wheel racing. No, he's done a terrific job this year. Terrific job. But it's under pressure. It, 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 he's, he's produced what he's had to produce because he has to produce it. Now, Sebastian needs to start producing stuff because otherwise Charles Leclerc is going to blow him away. And it, people are going to say, well, how did, you know, Sebastian Vettel won four world championships because his teammate was Mark Webber. You know, that's what people will start to say, believe me. I mean, it's unfair to Mark Webber, um, but there's no question about it. Red Bull favoured Sebastian and they made Sebastian feel, here we are, we'll wrap you up in cotton wool. There's no nasty stuff at all. You'll feel good. You're going to win championships. And he, and he did. But out there in the big bad world, um, Sebastian doesn't favour, you know, he doesn't, doesn't come across awfully well. Certainly not. Well, we're talking about the future, Joe. There's loads of questions in the chat room about 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know you're the man for politics and regulations. I, I tend not to look as far forward as that. I know a lot of my panellists do. Is this where we're getting our cost cap? The cost cap is entirely logical. It's entirely sensible for everybody. They won't argue it, the teams, because it's a disadvantage. But from a company point of view, if their chairman look at it, they go, this is insane. How can we possibly spend $400 million on Formula One? Let's do it for half that. And if their teams are any good, they will win at half the cost. But that turns itself into a positive because – if you can beat somebody at the same price, therefore, it, it, it's a bit like uh, crash testing. The crash testing industry, everyone in the, in the car industry was opposed to crash testing because they might look bad. But eventually, they, when it was forced upon them, they realized that crash testing was made, it made them look good. And they, they turned it into a positive. We've got a five-star car, you know. And... They hope that people who want to buy Volvos would buy more Volvos, whatever, you know. Um, But basically, crash testing and all these other things, if you turn them around, a cost cap is a positive. In every respect, it's a positive. So it's not smart to argue against it. And that's why you've got a lot of sort of dancing on uh, on the fence going on. Right, the rich rich teams particularly, they don't want to say now nah, we want to keep the money because it helps us win. You know, they just want to say we're all in favour of it because my boss says we have to be in favour of it. But I'm actually not quite sure if I can win on that budget. So 
They should all just hire Otmar Zaff now. Who knows how to win on a budget? So, uh, but they, you think that will come through though? You think they will get that agreement? And then the other question from EJ Hammer is, you know, is, is more around the technical stuff. You know, is there any other objections apart from this cost cap, like things they're doing with downforce and tyres and things like that? No. I mean, they're going to do, they'll, they'll do clever stuff for 90 million, 120 million, 150 million, whatever. They don't, you don't need three mil, 300 million to, uh, to do clever stuff. You just have to be clever. It's simple. So money is not the fundamental. What money does, it gives you the opportunity to search out things that are wrong. It doesn't, it doesn't give you the opportunity to find things that are right. That's just genius. So uh, if you look at the teams in the midfield that are doing that at the moment, you've kind of got Renault above that line and then you've got For- uh, Force India, uh, Racing Point, Stroll and Haas that are probably in and about where the where the cost cap's going to be or are they below where it currently no, is? No, they're, they're below. The they're below. Cost. So they'll still be at a disadvantage to the top four. Yeah, well, yeah, but Williams, you know, Williams is about cost cap level and they're f***ing up. Ma- oh, sorry, they're up massively they're uh, messing up massively write that down as a bleep mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market want flexibility take yoga want flexibility with your health insurance check out united healthcare insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer flexible budget-friendly medical dental and vision coverage that may be right for you more at uh1.com Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Question from the chat, a follow-up from Dejutma. He says, isn't it easy to circumvent the cost cap, especially for the bigger organisations? And is engine development part of the cost cap? Engine development is not part of the cost cap, and it's impossible to circumvent the cost cap because everybody in Formula One is an expert on everything. Team bosses are experts on everything. Well, if you ask an accountant if it's possible to, to please a cost cap, they say, of course it is. Team bosses know better than expert accountants because they're team bosses and therefore they're geniuses in every respect. I mean, Ron Dennis was the great example of this. Ron Dennis knew better than everybody about everything. But the fact is, you don't. These accountants know what they're talking about. So if they want to find a way of policing a cost cap they will do it and the other thing is it becomes self-policing anyway because the the major manufacturers cannot afford to get caught cheating so they will police it themselves and because people move from team to team if anyone's cheating it'll be found out real quick so you know the fact is of course it's policeable it's easy to police and um it's not a problem so what is a problem for me, Joe, is your your mucky language. You know, you, you wouldn't kiss your mother with that mouth, but you come into my shed and uh, and I have to filter you. But Pete Jenkins asks, can we have a Joe Sayward unfiltered every now and then, please? No, not on my watch, Peter. However, you do, are, you are pretty unfiltered when you do your live audiences, Joe. We must be getting around the time for an audience with Joe, surely. Yeah, there's one coming up in Canada. Friday in Canada, I shall be doing, I, with all the Fs and and uh, other things, whatever the words are. Yep. Um, and without any bleeping going on, without any, uh, you know, small children can come along if they want, but they'll learn some new language before they go home. That's the way of the world. And I'm sorry if that uh, offends the shed, but I don't give a monkeys well done Joe. well done 
Is monkeys all right? Yeah, he's fine. No, I was impressed with that. Uh, in Canada, Canada is far uh, away. I'm, I'm sure that monkeys is Cockney rhyming slang for something nasty. Canada's far away, though, Joe. <laughs> I'm sure they understand the words. Yeah, it's just it, it, it's part of the language. Actually, there was a survey the other day that said um, people who swear more are nicer people and more intelligent. Good. Well, in that case, the shed is stupid. And unintelligent. No, that's the same yes, thing. That's all true. So that's far. the same thing. Yes, uh, more, more questions. More questions for you, Joe. People want your wisdom. Of course, at the live events, people can just ask you questions to your heart content, heart's content, and you will answer them for about four hours. Uh, but uh, I'm going. Ito, Tai Joe says, Joe, do you think Lewis is going to win the 2019 championship? Now hold your fire. Hold your fire, Joe. We're getting to a critical point in the season. We've got the European upgrades coming up. Everybody thinks they're coming in with a new package. We've had a good look at Mercedes and Ferrari. It's probably between those two at the moment. Do you think Lewis Hamilton is going to win this championship in the Mercedes in 2019? I have no idea. Oh, wildly speculate. Who's leading the championship? Bottas. Okay. So is Lewis Hamilton going to win? Yes. Okay, we agree. Okay, good. <laughs> well, I think the threat from Ferrari is is going to wane because it, it, I think they're going to stop looking over their so, stop looking ahead at chasing down Mercedes any minute and have to look over their shoulder to defend against Red Bull. And I, I think like, Red Bull, with their developing prowess, that you could see them putting Ferrari under pressure and just going down a, a terrible path. Except you're missing out one key point, and that is the Italian uh, psyche, which is. You've got a whole bunch of Italian pressmen who are hounding Ferrari all the time. Ferrari are messing up, and they have to start covering their bottoms, I believe the term is. Um, you, you just, you know, I'd love to see them taking risks and going for it and just doing better. Uh, and they can. Maybe they can. I hope they can because, you know, there's nothing better for Formula One than Ferrari winning in a legal way. What? Why? I don't want I Ferrari that, winning. Why, why do yes. they need to win? Why do no, I need but, them to win? Excuse me, but there are there are many, many more Ferrari fans in the world than there are Mercedes fans, McLaren fans, Williams fans, and Red Bull fans. I'm sorry, but if you go anywhere in the world, you see the Ferrari flags flying. They are the most popular team, whether we like them or not. Are you and, sure? I, you know, don't think, I don't think I've ever met a Ferrari fan, though. Do, do they, are they out and about? In the real world? You're obviously not going to the right places. <laughs> I'm not going to Monza. Maybe I should go to Monza if I'm if I'm ever welcome. No, no, there. no, no. It's not just Monza. It's everywhere. Everywhere you go, there are Ferrari fans, and you have to be alert to this fact that they are just a. They are the most popular team, whether you like it or not. So, if Ferrari left F1 tomorrow. What do you think would happen to the sport? They're not going to. You've dodged the question. No, no, I haven't dodged the question. It is a very... Formula One is as valuable to Ferrari as Ferrari is valuable to Formula One. It's a catch-22. They can't leave. If you look at the numbers today, today they published their Q1 results up 21%. They are selling cars left, right, and center. Why are they selling cars? Do they build the greatest cars in the world? Not really, no. Do they build cars that are sexy and, and people with big gold Rolexes will get the girls if they have the cars? Yes, they do. That's and what I'm doing that, wrong. Yeah, just get some money, buy a Rolex or whatever it is, buy a Rolex, buy a Ferrari, and you're off, you know, if you want that kind of girl. But um, that's what they do. And they are, they are, they've made an absolute, they made a billion in the first three months of this year, a billion. Okay, they're going to make four billion by the end of the year, three and a half or whatever that they are projecting. Formula One is is just really part of the glitz, but it's a necessary part of the glitz. Without it, it's not sexy. From Ferrari is not as sexy if they just go and do Le Mans. I mean, frankly, who cares about Le Mans? No, no, I'm sorry. There's a bunch of people out there who are going to make a big fuss if I say such a thing, but who cares? You just don't like anything that isn't F1. You even attacked the W Series on my poor little Twitter timeline, Joe. I did not. I just questioned whether it was relevant. You know, (laughs) what's the point? If the girls are going to be successful, they're going to be successful after W Series. Yes. Therefore, what's the point of W Series? 
to give them exposure and to highlight that women are in racing and to encourage young girls to get involved and tell them that it's for them. Yeah, so we've had that one the first weekend. Let's see what happens <laughs> next weekend. I, I feel this is a battle that's going to run and run. No, 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 it's, it's not a battle. There's a, there's a basic reality, which is that all the Fleet Street boys were sent off to Hockenheim last weekend because David Coulter probably invited them. I don't know. I'd, have to, I'd, I'd be interesting to find out. But uh, they all wrote nice things about W Series and Jamie, Jamie Chadwick. I don't know her. She was so far ahead of everybody else. It was embarrassing in a way. She's clearly very good. Hope she makes it. But why is she wasting her time? She just get on and get to Formula 2 and get it done. Now, I don't see why the W Series, I understand how people can make money from it, but I don't understand why it has a relevance. Um, and that's, I'm not against women racing drivers, far from it. I want to see more and more of them. The more women, women racing drivers we have, the more popular we are, Formula 1, in the world. It's very simple. It's not rocket science. So let's just stop messing about with people making some money on the side or, or you know, diverting people off to the side saying it's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea. A good idea is to win in Formula 3, win in Formula 2. Boo. I think it's a brilliant idea, dear Joe. Boo. Uh, anyway, I've heard that W Series is pushing to be an F1 support race. That'd be, that would raise its profile, wouldn't it? Because, to be honest, it's on Channel 4. It's got a big advantage over a lot of the other junior series. If they ran Formula 2 and Formula 3 on Channel 4, I'd watch that as well. Yeah, but why is it on, why is it on Channel 4? Because of David Coulthard's relationship with the channel. Bingo! But it's, oh, okay. Do you know what? You're, you're right about the money, Joe. Let's stick to an, a sport where no one makes any money. Back to Formula One and Liberty Media, who are rumoured to already be unsettled. And Josh Geek asks, are Liberty thinking of selling Formula One already? No. What stupid idea is that? Where did Josh Deek, or whatever he's called, get such a stupid idea? It was probably written on Forbes. It's just such crap that's written these days. They are making, they are putting value into the championship. It is building up. If I were you and I had some money, I'd buy Formula One shares tomorrow because Formula One is going to grow massively. And all the, sh- all the rubbish, I had to, I'd stop myself there, all the rubbish that is written about this and that, it's all, there's a, just look at the names. Look at the names of the people who write the articles, and you'll find the answer. (laughs) The answer is there are certain people who are negative about the sport, and if anybody actually believes what they write, well, they're muppets. Because the fact is that the people who are writing, the names of the people who are writing, they're just throwbacks to the Eccleston era who just are off the pace. Wow. Talk about saying everything except the guy's name. Uh, but when you comment on my Twitter stuff, I, I also get involved and embroiled in that individual's thoughts and opinions. He well, does, I don't. He, I'm not interested in him, he, but I'm just saying. He doesn't like you much, that this guy, that This guy, he doesn't like me because I, I tell the truth. The fact is, this guy's a million miles off the pace. He's not allowed in anywhere in Formula 1. Nobody's interested in him. Nobody gives a toss, but he just has a few people who are just so stupid they keep on giving him airtime. And that's that's why these stories exist. There's no way in hell they're going to sell. It's ridiculous. They are building up to making it a whole lot bigger and better. And, you know, if that particular person was smart, he would spend the money he earns from Forbes, which is about £3.50, <laughs> And he'd, buy, he'd try to buy himself a share in Formula One. Okay? That would be the smart thing to do. Because if I have any money, I'll buy shares in Formula One because that's, that is going big time. And if I had been smart in 2015, I would have bought Ferrari shares at $52. Do you know what they are today? Uh, $58. Uh, 133 That's a lot more. So who's smart? Not me. I should have bought Ferrari shares. But if I had money right now, I would buy I would buy Formula One shares because I think it's gonna it's gonna fly, and you know I certainly wouldn't buy Forbes shares. So Liberty staying, but right at the beginning of the show, you dropped a bit of a bombshell, Joe. You said you said Germany's gone, and you said Spain's gone, and 
everyone's always saying Monza's going to go every year. If I'm going to do my yeah, but, European no, tour. Monza's back. Yeah. Monza's got a new deal. And who cares whether Spain's gone? Now, personally, I don't like it as a track and F1's probably outgrown it. However, there's a lot of history to it. And if it is shutting down and it is going, I, I want to fly out there and make sure I catch a Grand Prix at the world famous Catalonia Grand Prix. Well, get on a plane this week then. <laughs> really? Is it that bad? Yes, it is, because it's gone next year. That, that's confirmed. Are they about to tweet you and say, fake news, Joe, uh, Barcelona they can, they is they fine? Can, they can tweet as much as they like, but there will be an F1 calendar comes out from the FIA at some point, and Spain is very unlikely to be on it. Why? Why? Yeah. Well, for a number of reasons. One is it never produces good racing. Nope. Who Fernando Alonso has retired. Mm-hmm. Three, Catalonia and Spain are two very different things, and someone has to pay for it. And four, Zandvoort's coming along, and Holland has got lots of reasons to be interested in Formula One. So, now, on the other hand, you have the German Grand Prix, where there's lots of good reasons why it should happen, but it's not happening. Why is that? Nobody's going to pay for it. So, what do we do? We go to Vietnam. We go to Holland. There's no shortage. There is no shortage of races in the future. And if you want to be on the calendar... You've got to move pretty damn quick because you have South Africa coming. You have Saudi Arabia coming. Malaysia is being turned down, and they are willing to pay more money. They are more money than anybody else. Malaysia? Malaysia is being turned down. Oh, right. Yeah. That's a shame because I, I like that track. Yeah, so do I. But the fact is that if they offered $100 million, they will be turned down because it's not a destination city. And that's what they're going for, destination cities. It's, it's a shame. Barcelona's just been part of the fabric no, of F1. It's not a shame. It's a reality. Okay. And, and there will be better racetracks because they're designing them to be better. So Vietnam will be a good racetrack. Okay, cool. And uh, by that same logic, we'll also we'll get rid of uh, Monaco as well and, uh, and Hungary. No. Monaco is different because Monaco is Monaco. Hungary is irrelevant, but they're smart enough to have done a very, very long-term deal. Ah, I see. Well, that explains that. I see. No, no, but no. If they're smart enough to do that deal, or they have enough money, like Baku or Russia, or whatever, they just pay enough money, and eventually you're gonna, you know, there are three kinds of races in Formula One. Okay, there are races that are very, very valuable. There are races that are strategically important, and there are races that are historically vaguely necessary. Okay, so. The more races that pay more money, the pressure goes on the historical races because, you know, why would you keep up historical races when you can earn three times as much money in other places? You have to keep some of the historical races because that keeps the fans happy. But strategic races about the future. So you can do deals for Miami or uh, Beijing street race or whatever. These are cheap races. It brings less money in, but they're more important for the sport because it means that the sport will grow outside just having the races. And people say, why don't we go to Watkins Glen or Laguna Seca and all these sort of stuff. The fact is that that's not where the money is. If the money was there, we would go to these places. It's it's really very simple. It's business. And you have to you have to balance business with the sport. And it doesn't mean that all the new races are rubbish. It doesn't mean that you're going to lose out on great racetracks because they're keeping some of the great racetracks in there. But if you're Silverstone, you need to be very careful because you've got Monza confirmed, you've got Spa confirmed, uh, you have Suzuka confirmed. And Silverstone has a sort of a special place, but not forever. If they keep messing about, eventually... If Liberty can do a race in Britain, they don't care about Silverstone. Silverstone is only on the calendar because it's a traditional race. Austria's only on the calendar because Red Bull pays. It would be gone without Red Bull. It would be gone. There is no historical element to it. It's a, it's a good payer. So, you know, you have to balance all these things. Just remember those three key groups. And the key groups strategic is important and high paying is important that's why we go to sochi 
Well, I've I've heard the the Silverstone things a done deal, Joe. So you, you don't need to worry about that. I've got I've got three sources on it now. And yeah, no, 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 that that's also I also believe it is a done deal. But if they're saying it's not, it's clearly not, is it? I, I want to finish up about asking you about um, TV Pro F1 TV Pro because the, mm-hmm. the chat room is screaming at me. But first of all, I always like to make sure that our listeners know where to get uh, more Joe. Now I I'm not much of a reader, Joe. And pretty much the only written news source I go to is uh, by searching Joe Blogs F1, where you do your little green notebook and, and such. And uh, reading it, it seems like you almost like that more than coming to the shed and, and talking to me. Don't be silly. Oh, good, because my feelings were going to be hurt there. But uh, you do quite kind of, it could almost be a travel log. Have you ever thought of doing one of those TV programs like Steve Coogan and the Welsh one? Where they yeah, go, no, they go I, I do travelogues because people like that. I, I I used to write news every day. First of all, there isn't Formula One news every day, so it's it, you have to make it up. You don't make it up, but you have to extrapolate, okay? You have to extrapolate a lot, and therefore I gave up doing daily stuff. But what people really like, and you see it from the numbers, is the lifestyle of Formula One. Nobody writes about the lifestyle in Formula One. It's really bizarre. It's really strange. It's not rocket science to do. Anyone can do it, but it seems like I'm the only one who does. So, you know, being stuck in an airport, doing this, doing that, that's what is interesting to a lot of people. They don't want to do it themselves, but it's the idea. It's the dream of doing it. So I'm kind of living people's dreams. And... So I'm going to tell them about it, you know. The shoeshine boys in Dubai. It's fun. You know, I, I, I've been there eight times in the last seven, eight weeks. And, and the shoeshine boys attack me every single time. They're, they're really, these guys are real experts. They go, oh, R.M. Williams, you need to clean them. You know, how do you know that? You know, how do you know what my, how do you know what my shoes are, for God's sake? You know, these guys are pros. I mean, they're, they're, they're you know, it's really terrific. And flying around the world is like that, you know. You have these weird stories wherever you go, and people like that kind of stuff. So there you go. Search Joe Blogs F1 to live the shoeshine dream uh, with Uncle Joe Saywood. But yeah, it's, it's a great well, you, blog. You can also, you know, buy Grand Prix Plus magazine, which is fabulous, proper magazine. You can also buy the JSBM. Just just Google it. And that's where the real scoops come from. And uh, still waiting for mates' rates on that, Joe. Come on, 50 percent discount, surely. I've put the time in. Unbelievable. Not right, I'm not, I'm not plugging the, it anymore. Then the other one is is fascinating F1 facts. Fascinating F1 facts. And if you want to read fascinating F1 facts, because let's face it, you don't always want to touch your phone while you're on the bathroom. Sometimes you want a bite-sized book or story or fact to read. So if you want to buy Joe's bathroom book, Fascinating F1 Facts, you can, but also, what? It is, so, is bathroom an American expression? Are you talking about lose? I didn't want to say toilet, but I guess you forced me to now. If you want to buy Joe's toilet book, <laughs> you can. Fascinating <laughs> F1 Facts, you can buy that off Amazon. In fact, here we go, I've got a copy here. So it's a very, very smartly presented book. There you go. Volume, uh, is that one, one or two? I can't volume see. two that I've got there at the moment. Sorry, fabulous. Different... Volume one's also fabulous, and volume three will be fabulous too. <laughs> so. But Joe is also kindly, kindly letting me put together some of the key facts into a little podcast stream to see if people like it. So there will be a separate F1 fascinating facts voiced by Spanners podcast stream coming up soon. Shall we answer the people's question, Joe? They're all clamoring to know what is up with TV Pro. So I'm watching it on Sky TV because I have to. I I resent it. I've had it stolen from me, but I've got over it. Um, but in, in America land, we have Matt Trumpets, our co-host here, who is constantly struggling to get hold of it. The, the stream keeps going down for him. The live timing, which he loves, never works. So what is going on with F1 TV Pro? I hear they had to issue quite a lot of refunds. Well, I think you've gone, you've gone dead on me. Uh, yep. No, I just stopped talking because you were talking. No, no, you didn't. You, you, you're unstable. Apparently, it says here on my screen, your internet collection is unstable. Have you been speaking to Mrs. Uh, Spanners again? No, no, it came up on the screen. I can't uh, help it. Okay. I mean, she may be right, but that's another story. Um, the answer is very simple, and that is that that 
uh, F1 TV is still the, when you look at the overall scheme of things, it was a very, very soft launch. They want to get all the problems sorted out before they sell it to hundreds of millions of people. Now, there are lots of people who bought it, and it's frustrating that it's not working properly. But it is, you know, we're moving towards the fact that it is going to work properly. And they keep, you know, they keep refunding everybody when things go wrong because they don't want to upset anybody. But the fact is that, you know, this thing is going to be uh, absolutely brilliant when it's when it works and when everything is ready to do it all properly. And and that's what we have to think of. We have to look in the long term. I understand people who are frustrated. I think in America you can watch it uh, on cable. Uh, if you don't have that particular cable, it's ESPN, I think, isn't it? So, um, you know, you can watch it at very little cost. Sky in Britain is, is, is a big problem, and it's a big problem for Formula One um, because, you know, that's just – it's stuck behind a paywall for the next five years. But that's not the fault of Liberty Media. Bernie Eccleston did that deal. And it's a very big deal. You know, it's a very big deal financially, but it's wrong. And and that's what Liberty is doing. They're saying this is wrong. We don't believe in pay TV. They believe in balancing all the all the all the different ways that money comes in right now. But ultimately they want to go to pay sorry, they want to go to free to air television so that they can drive the 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 sport forward and they can give fans who are really keen on all the detail, they can give them something they can't get elsewhere. But, you know, they're, they're stuck with Bernie's deals, I'm afraid. Now, on the one hand, that's good because it's lots of money. But on the on the other hand, it's not good because I think that when F1 TV works properly, it will, it will generate huge amounts more than the Sky deal. And if, it, you know, you, you can't stop it. Sky ain't going to say, Oh, we'll just give it up because we're nice people. True. They're not going to do it. You know, so if you want it, go out and pirate it or whatever. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not advocating uh, criminality, but apparently well, um, you are. Well, I'm <laughs> you not. You literally I'm, just did I'm, that. No, I'm advocating I'm advocating fans finding ways to watch it. I uh, just an edit point there, fifty seven minutes. Joe <laughs> condoned crime. Uh, edit for the sake of not going to jail. Joe Sayward, thank is you so much. Crime? Is it crime? It's Pirate, passion. You wouldn't steal a handbag, said 90s it's, DVD warnings. It's a crime of passion. In France, you get off for next to nothing for shooting your, your wife's lover. It's okay. Joe Sayward, you are heading not too far from home. You're heading off to Barcelona. I think there is something still special about the European leg of Formula One. Do you, do you feel that? In the paddock, do people enjoy being closer to home and in Europe? Well, of course they do, but it's because it's easy. You know, the fact is that the Formula One market, Formula One was born in Europe and has been in Europe and should remain in Europe, but it should not close down other options. You know, this year, I think there's seven or eight European Grand Prix only. These vast, silly motorhomes that everyone has are only used seven or eight times a year now. Everything else is, you know, if you look at the numbers, it's ridiculous that they have these things. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. Save some money. Um, and do it do it sensibly. And this is one of the things about Formula One, you know, you have these amazing, ridiculous buildings that have to be torn apart by acrobats and 100 people and 350 trucks to go from place to place doesn't make any sense at all just build one in each place you go what does make sense is staying tuned to missed apex podcast we are going to bring you a race review of the barcelona grand prix at 8 p.m uk time after the race we might be wrong but we're first and sometimes we're wrong about being first but you can come and join us on youtube by searching missed apex podcast we have a live chat room you can chat along you heard joe was answering your questions in the chat room Make sure you subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice and also tune into our sister shows, E-Radio Show and Missed Apex W Series. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever. This was Inside F1 with Joe Saywood.
you like how I got all up in the mic for that last bit? Jules, see, it sounded dead radio, didn't I, Joe? I hope I hope that you're being paid loads of money by the W Series for promotional skills. That's oh something. yeah, we're getting cash money on the side. DC was in the shed just the other day saying, "Spanners, Spanners, it's going okay, but I need you to drop some shed content for us." And I was like, "No problem, DC, I got you covered." And I said, "Brah," because that's what I'm like. That's how I roll. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.